Welcome to the Healing Place podcast, a space filled with inspirational stories of hope, along with practical advice for your healing journey. Your host is Terry Welbrock, trauma warrior, writer, speaker, blogger, therapy dog handler, and founder of the Sammy's Bundles of Hope Project. As a survivor and a thriver, Terry's mission is to shine the light of hope into the world by interviewing insightful guests from across the globe. Please stay tuned at the end of today's interview as we honor our sponsors. The Healing Place podcast is a fiscally sponsored project of Fractured Atlas. Now, here's your host and trauma warrior, Terry Welbrock. Welcome, everybody, to the Healing Place podcast. I'm your host, Terry Welbrock, and very much looking forward to my conversation today with Tian Dayton, PhD, and I'm going to read all of this amazing stuff that I told her before we hit record earlier that I could get lost on her website for months because there is just so much amazing stuff there. So I'll be sure on the video to put the uh, her website and so you can access it, and then we'll talk about it on audio when we, when we get in. So, psychologist, author of 15 books, psychodramatist, blogger, senior fellow at the Meadows, and so much more. So, welcome. <laughs> nice to be here, Terry. Hi. Yeah. I, I know your most recent book, and I'm going to read that title as well. Has it been released, or is it about to be released? It's in the fall, late fall. Okay, so late fall. So it's The Soulful Journey of Recovery, A Guide to Healing from a Traumatic Past for Adult Children of Alcoholics, Codependents, or Those with Adverse Childhood Experiences. And yes, a powerful um, book, I'm sure. I can't wait to get my hands on it. It's kind of a how-to. It's sort of an if you were in categories you know, this is what happened to you. And also this is how, how to get out of it. It's not just this is what happened to you. It's this is why, this is how to mine the gifts in it. This is how to turn the tide. This is how to change things, turn them around. Then on the website, I have um, a tab that says Soulful Journey. And there are guided imageries. There are talks. There are things you can do in the book, on the website and there are also a lot of films that I've done over the years and some of them are uh, you know about specifically being an adult child or certainly all of them are about you know children of adverse childhood experiences that sort of thing yeah beautiful well I know I think we connected through ACES connection and which is a great wonderful resource i think thirty thousand strong now members but adverse childhood experiences are just exploding onto the mental health scene um they so are. to have a resource mm-hmm. like this that addresses not just what happened but a guide for now what well you know um I think I put this on the website too. If you take that one great way of taking it that Nadine Burke uses is take it together with the resilience inventory. For example, I have a very high A score, but I have a, a perfect resilience score. So that's number one is understand 
what your strengths have been through this. And the other I would say is, um, you know, figure out how to do it around. There's a Dr. Vincent Filetti who was running a weight loss program. Is this new, is this new to your viewers? Is this useful? We've talked Karen? about it in bits and pieces, so certainly, yes. Talk about it again, yes. He had a weight loss program, and he was very successful in helping people lose weight, but then they would drop out of the program. And he started to interview. He kept an open mind, which is key, and he started to interview people and realized that to a person, uh, they had experienced sexual abuse in childhood. Without addressing the childhood trauma, the the weight just came right back on. It, people experienced it as safety, or they were eating their feelings, or whatever, why ever that happened. And then um, Rob Anda, Dr. Rob Anda of the CDC, met, I think they met at a dinner and started talking about that. And Rob recognized that this should be a big long-term study. And they, so they created what they called ACE questionnaires. What are your experiences? Uh, it could be where you live, poverty, social, uh, environment influences, family, divorce, illness, all of this thing. And alcoholism, living with parental alcoholism up over and over and over again is a primary cause of a high ACE score. And this came as a complete surprise to them. They weren't looking for it. But that's how, pain, that's how you know, traumatic it is to have an alcoholic parent. Yes. Well, I too score a high ACE score, including growing up in a home with an alcoholic parent. And, but my resilience score, I, I remember people asking me, how did you live through all that, Terry? <laughs> and I, for so long, I would say, I don't know. Like, I don't know. And then once, once I came across the ACEs questionnaire and then the resilience questionnaire as well, and I advise people, if you're going to look at your ACEs score, make sure you look at your resilience score as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And my grandma Kitty was a very powerful presence in my life. And, um, made me feel loved and safe and worthy and uh, valued. And um, she, you know, I credit her with so much of what I was able to make it through and come out on the other side. Um, Research bears that out. Yeah. That, that one bonded relationship. Yes. And generally within the family system, most often the grandparent. Yeah. Very powerful. Yeah, and teachers. I think teachers. Huge impact. Huge. Yeah, yeah huge. for sure. Wonderful. The grandparents have work to do. Grandparents have work to do. Yes. We're, we're not finished. You know, I'm a grandparent and we're not finished. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, and it was so simple with my grandma because it wasn't anything spectacular that she did because she had had a rough life. Um, eight kids and poverty and um, you know so much more but she just loved me I mean it sounds so simple but she loved me and she didn't yell at me and she didn't hit me and she did those things that were happening in my life you know from the violence to the alcoholism to um, you know being sexually molested there were things happening that she was unaware of but she was just this gentle presence, as I call it. And that's really 
life altering. Yes. For sure. All right. Uh, one of the things I noticed, and I just have crazy random notes all over my paper here. So I love your coloring books with affirmations. We're going to make a little left turn. Oh my gosh. I am such a huge adult coloring book fan. When I fly, I have anxiety flying. And so I will bring my coloring books with me with my gel pens. And these last couple flights that I've taken, I've had no issues at all because I just lose wow. myself. Interesting. So thanks. I, they were fun to make. I just had a break and I didn't have a project. And I, uh, I, I, you know, my grandchildren were just born. So coloring books seemed fun. And, and I loved doing them, and I love affirmations. I've done affirmations book all all my adult life, so I wanted to combine them for fun. And I think they'd be good at, I think treatment centers. See, the the thing I, that really sold me on them is uh, what they do socially for people. For example, treatment centers have a lot of downtime, right? Groups have downtime, and if you sit around and color together you are interacting, you're, you're building social skills. So I think treatment centers um, should never be without a stack of coloring books and a lot of colors because you're busy, you're, but you, you are learning new social skills in the most easy, relaxed way. And it's funny and it's silly and it's creative. So it gets the right side of your brain kind of flowing, which is probably what happens for you when you fly. So that the, uh, I don't know, what, what, it, what happens when you fly? That's curious. Why do these work so well, I wonder? Yeah, it is curious because I think for me, it takes my attention away. I know like when I would have my panic attacks uh, back in those days of severe panic before EMDR therapy, I would um, become very fixated on the body sensations that were happening the the panic arousal so my my fast beating heart my tunnel vision my my tingling legs all those things that were happening from that surge of adrenaline and this coloring shifts my focus it becomes very much a mindfulness thing in that i become in focused on just that that little space that i'm filling in that little space <laughs> and it, it brings me back into the now instead of focusing on any sensations I may be experiencing. So at least that's my experience with it. <laughs> People love these. People love coloring books in general. Yeah. And they must, you know, they'd be worth researching because if they work to do the way you're using them, they should be in everybody's house. Oh. I mean, and creativity also engages other parts of the brain and it helps you know there's great research on flow um f-l-o-w and what it does for you to engage in an activity where the skill level is just high enough to be challenging but not high enough to be frustrating and it continues it continues to engage you in a process and flow is a very uh healthy state I always ask clients to have a creative outlet. Always. Awesome. Well, I love it. And, and I thank you as a survivor for having it because, yeah, kudos to you. So talk to us about psychodramatist. That's, 
fascinating to me. <laughs> that's, the, that's all over my website. That's basically much of the content. Uh, psychodrama is a role-playing method. It's developed by Jail Moreno at turn of the century in Vienna. It, it is every bit of role-play you see is a derivative of psychodrama. Now, as a psychodramatist, you become fully trained in how to use this effectively for healing. And that's what's on my website. Um, how to double, which is stand behind a person and speak their inner life. How to reverse roles so that when you say something to someone, then you reverse roles and inhabit the, that other person as well. So that you're not just strengthening everything from this, the projection or the, uh, the way you deal with the world. You're also getting some perspective on what's, what it's like to be on the other side of your words and actions. Um, those are two of the main uh, techniques in psychodrama. It's remarkably healing. I came upon it in my, uh, you know, I think uh, early 30s uh, for my own work. And once I experienced the phenomenal healing, I, I just learned everything I could. I did a turn in my career and became a psychodramatist. Uh, and I've never looked back. It's, it's a home. And it's, it's also deeply creative. So as a therapist, it's not, you're not just talking. And the reason that became, the reason psychodrama is so popular now is because with all of the new trauma research, we are learning that talk doesn't reach the parts of the brain where trauma is stored. Right. So that tell me about your trauma doesn't do us much good. Show me what happened. Who do you want to talk? Not show me what happened and let's recreate the sexual abuse or the beat, not that, but who do you want to talk to? Yeah. What do you want to say? And then you know it immediately. You don't have to think about what you would say if you could say it. They're sitting, there they are in an empty chair represented by a role player, and it just comes out. So it's a very efficient way of dealing with the role relationship that hurt you because we tend to internalize both sides of that relationship, right? We don't just internalize uh, one side of it, we internalize, that's how I see it anyway. People don't talk about that. Uh, they don't talk about it. But you internalize both sides of the relationship. So I think you need to re-experience both sides in order to shake it loose. That's very interesting. So when you say that, you're talking about, so internalizing my response to my mother as well as what I'm really meaning is you that you um, I, I, I haven't had to explain it. That's a good question. <laughs> I, I really mean that if I go back forwards and then backwards, we reenact what was most painful. It, it happens like clockwork with the unconscious stores what happened and we never make it conscious, right? We don't bring it up to a thinking level because we froze at the time of the trauma. The thinking yes. mind shut down, but the limbic world, the fight flight was in high gear. So we pull in everything that the limbic system processes, which is our sense impressions, sight, sound, smells. And we pull in the emotions. It processes emotions. It processes bonding the limbic system. So trauma really affects our ability to bond. 
and trust and all that kind of stuff. It also, when we get triggered, a lot of stuff comes flooding out. You know, smells can be a big trigger, right? Sounds are a trigger, sights are a trigger. That's because it's the, that information is stored within the body mind, but we don't know when we get triggered, what, what's tr triggering us, what, we're, what we're re-experiencing. Wow. Also in that triggered state, in that reliving the trauma state, our thinking mind shuts down all over again. So we behave in a crazy way. Right. We behave in a way that's destructive. So if we are hurt by people, we are hurt by a wall, by a plant, we tend to be hurt in relational trauma anyway. We are hurt by people. So that relational dynamic that hurt us lives inside of us in a, in a co-state. So to put it up out on the stage and examine both sides of the interaction. Yeah. Is, and also it helps to shake you loose from thinking it was all about uh, you and not where the other person was. Once you reverse roles, you sort of get the picture. Wait a minute. Um, as my mother, I, I'm thinking, Tian isn't all that important anyway. I'm much more preoccupied with all this stuff. I'm just taking it out on her, right? Whereas the meaning I might make out of it as a child on the other end of abuse is, what's wrong with me? Why doesn't my mother like me? Why doesn't my father like me? How can I change? How can I get it straight so that it doesn't keep happening to me? which is really challenging in an alcoholic home because right. you never get it straight, ever. The rules shift with the use. You know, what, what's absolutely fine one day, go for it, is just you're in trouble for another time. So kids in alcoholic homes really suffer. Yes. They can't get, and they can't get it straight. They can't get the rules straight because the rules aren't straight. Right. Well, we never know who we're going to run into. My sister and I would talk about that even into our adult years. And we ended up in a uh, Al-Anon. And yeah, we would, we would discuss. We never knew who, even as adult, when we opened the door, who, which mom were we going to run into? <laughs> so yeah. And when it's a mom, it's even, I don't know if it will always be the case, but I think when it's a mom, it's worse. Uh, if she's your primary caretaker, because that, then your home is disordered, you know, twenty four seven. If it's if unless she's unless she's the breadwinner, things have changed in the last decade. But uh, when when I was young, the mother stayed home generally. That's all changed now. When it's the primary person, you're up a crick. Right. Yeah. Because you're flailing, trying to figure it out, right? right? There's no relief. Exactly. Just taking a moment to thank the sponsors of the Healing Place podcast. The Healing Place podcast is a fiscally sponsored project of Fractured Atlas. You can find out more at my website, terrywellbrock.com. That's T-E-R-I-W-E-L-L-B-R-O-C-K. And... This week, I am thanking donor Phoenix Fund via Blue Mountain Community Foundation. Thank you so very much for your generous donation to this 
fiscally sponsored project. And also to Kathleen Hannigan for her donation at the Resilience Ally level. Again, so very much appreciated. Thank you for believing in me and my mission and this healing space where I shine the light of hope into the world. Now back to the show. All right. Um, so yes. Yeah, so gosh, there's so many things I want to, I, I want to dive into. Um, the soulful journey of recovery. We, we talked about that and its release and the purpose of that. What about your other, you want to touch on any of your other books at all? And Sure. I mean, I think the soulful journey is sort of a best of, that's kind of why I did it. I wanted to <laughs> take the best parts of all of my books and put them together. So I could just say, just read this, you right. know, <laughs> make it easy on yourself. Just read this. And, uh, I've done several affirmations books. The one uh, that gets bought the most, they all do pretty well, but Forgiving and Moving On has been a really strong seller for a couple of decades at least. It, it, and it, that one I did, um, I do everything in the first person in affirmations books, but it's not necessarily all about me. It, it's just that it's very digestible to read it in the first person. So I'm, I'm doing a lot of emotional work through the affirmations, but also, you know, incorporating some learning and so forth, some, some teaching. And the same, the, uh, another one, uh, uh, one foot in front of the other, is like that too. There's a lot of information in it, but it's all in the first person. And, and there's one for affirmations for parents, so that if you're parenting and, and that's kicking stuff up, I think that's a good one. Um, the other two really strong sellers are uh, the ACOA trauma syndrome and emotional sobriety. So those are the books I would recommend of mine. One the most. I awesome. mean, Heart Wounds, we've done a program on at the Meadows uh, called Heart Wounds, Many Heart Wounds. That's a five-day grief process, really, and based on that book. But I think that I think the other books cover that. Wonderful. Okay. So you brought up the Meadows and you're a senior, senior fellow at the Meadows. Explain that role for the listeners. Well, the Meadows has, um, it's wonderful role actually, because it's like the other senior fellows are just brilliant people who have been leaders in this field for a long time. Bessel van der Kolk, who, you know, has, has led the, trauma field. Oh yeah. The body keeps the score. It comes up often. <laughs> yes. He's a senior fellow. Peter Levine is a senior fellow who, who birthed somato, uh, somatic release, you know, so, yeah. uh, that's waking the tiger. Yes. Waking the tiger and yeah. uh, Richard uh, Schwartz who started IFS internal family systems, Pat Carnes, who led everything on the, um, sexual addiction he started that field and I, I think his daughter's a senior fellow also um Claudia Black who you know young adults she's been in the field leading the field for all this time so they're wonderful senior fellows and they we impact the work at the Meadows because we train their staff and so that the Meadows it has got a high awareness of 
trauma, how to work with it, that sort of thing. They, they're good. They have a, they work hard to get it right. Yeah. Well, that's amazing and wonderful because so much of the conversations that I've had, especially early on when this, when we first started this show was about trauma informed care was surfacing. That was bubbling to the surface and how the, those who work with people with trauma have to be cognizant of and honor their stories of trauma, right? You mean the, the professionals have to do their own work? Yes. I mean, in, but the professionals, as they work with clients to be able to honor a client's trauma history and story. Yeah, it, um, it's tricky because everybody and their uncle is saying, I work with trauma now. And working and people, when I, uh, that, that's why I'm liking, I like these five-day programs. Uh, that's where I got a lot of healing for myself. You know, I'm, a, I have, I'm an ACOA, I'm not an addict. So going to a longer program is not where I go. It's not appropriate, but that doesn't mean I don't need a program. Right. So to, to go to many five-day ones is is very deeply healing. It gives you the time to sink into that. And that's what, that's uh, what I'm designing, what I've been designing much of my career, these five-day programs that allow you to deep dive and then go home and then come back and deep dive again. Because it is tricky to find a therapist who's uh, trauma-informed. I mean, and, and if and you, you don't want to be with somebody who's telling you who to be or telling you what your trauma is or, how you feel about it. You want someone who understands. And you also don't want to be with someone who's just going to reinforce it all the time. Sure. Not challenge you at all. You know what I mean? Not, not um, help you move through it. Right. So, so that I, it's a, it's a challenge. I know that's why I also love 12 step programs because you're not um, beholden to any one opinion. Right. And, you know, trauma doesn't heal 15 minutes once a week. That's a ridiculous idea, really, in a way, uh, through talk. Trauma needs um, all kinds. Yoga is wonderful for trauma. Yes. Walking is wonderful for depression. Walking with friends, even better. That's the, the research on walking is as good as depression medication. Walking four times a week is as good as taking depression medication. I could repeat that 15 times. The research is pretty conclusive. But if you're getting medicated and then checked every week and stuff like that and not doing those things, I think you're really cheating yourself. You, you need to change the way you eat, change the way you exercise, make sure your relational network is, is a good one for you. Have the 24-7 the support of 12-step programs. And then go and do these five-day programs and deep dive with people who are used to seeing this, used to working with this, expert in this, you know. Yes. And it's psychodrama. They're all the ones I design are all psychodrama. So they they really get in there and work with the inside of you. Wonderful. And those are accessible through your website. Well, actually, they're they're uh, not really, but they're they're at the Meadows, a, a Rio retreat at the Meadows. Okay. 
I should put those on my website. Yeah, <laughs> those on my website. Well, um, I will. I will find a link and I'll direct people there. So thank you. Share yeah. it with me, please. Thank okay. You. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I just want to say amen and hallelujah to everything you just said because yes, when I talk about it with people, I say yes, I did EMDR therapy for four years and it was 98 sessions of intense processing of mm -hmm. trauma I had stuffed away. Mm -hmm. But I also utilized tapping or EFT and yoga and meditation and positive affirmations and yeah. hikes at our local nature center and yeah. mindfulness practice. It became, I like to call it, I worked with kids in the mental health field. We would fill our toolbox and these kids would teach me more than I would teach them, but oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, how did, kids, that's wonderful. Yeah, so we would fill this our toolbox with, you know, they I would teach them how to fill their toolbox with these coping skills, and all, along the way, I learned it. So yeah, you know, that's God's work, Terry. I mean, to work with kids, that's golden. Yeah. Well, yeah. now there now Sammy and I do it on a volunteer basis with our therapy dog work, and oh my gosh, it melts my heart every Tuesday when we do our volunteer work because just watching this sweet pop um, mm -hmm. change a child within seconds from tears wow. streaming down their face to giggles and joy. Um, yeah. Wow. It's very cool. So, so anything else that you want to address with listeners today? Um, you know, if I, I would say, um, don't worry if this has happened to you. Keep a broad worldview. People go through terrible things, terrible things in this world. You know, we can go through trauma. You can get up from this. And if you're in the United States and you have access to, or in a, in a culture that supports even more or less your healing, and you have access to 12-step programs, and you can take care of yourself, get up and do it because a lot of people don't live in cultures that that acknowledge this kind of thing support this kind of thing are willing to look at themselves and say this is wrong we need to fix it so we are lucky people being here and i think change the way you see yourself yeah change the way you see yourself and do all of the things you just talked about or we just talked about and you will absolutely change things you will absolutely change things. And the other two things I would say are don't live in a vacuum. You know, relationships in any form, partnerships, um, raising children, see it all as grist for the mill when you get triggered. Try not to just uh, project what you're feeling onto the other person who triggered you and decide that they must be the wrong person or you wouldn't feel bad try to understand what might have been the source of the trigger and see how much of it is you. Not in a blaming sense, but otherwise there's, there's going to be nobody out there who's good enough, right? right. Because every relationship has all kinds of right. issues. I think that's a, I think I'd like to say that too. I think in America we're way too perfectionistic about what we expect from marriage, what we expect from relationships. I think there's a great deal to be said for being in relationships, you know, for um, what they do to just steady you. But you, you want them. So I, I think that if you have relationships that don't look healthy this year, 
don't despair. Things change. Keep the focus on yourself. Increase your Al-Anon. You know, do yeah. your own growing. Just not to make everything about the other guy. Yeah. And see life as you're, ultimately you're, you're uh, talking to yourself in life. You're on your own. You're, you're not on your own alone. But this is your spiritual journey. Nobody can take it for you. So use everything in your life as a, as grist for the mill of personal growth. Yeah. Well, and I like that you said you're on your own personal journey because, again, I state that often to people is that we're all on our own journeys. Mm-hmm. And um, one, we have to, if we come across a path of someone who's not on a, in a healthy place along their journey, <laughs> mm-hmm. we just have to remind ourselves that, you know what, that person's on their own journey and we're just not at the right place to meet. <laughs> so, yeah, back up, look the other direction, look, right. you know. Right. Well, and another thing you mentioned just helped me think of the whole brain plasticity thing. And yes, it will change. And as we create new habitual patterns, as we think differently, just the positive affirmations and what that's done for you and your life. And Mm -hmm. that changes our brains. It changes the way things fire. Um, Fascinated by brain plasticity studies. It's just Beautiful. I know we know so little. We think we know so much about the brain. We really know so little about right. the brain. But we know enough to know that it changes forever. We used to think it, it sort of got still and didn't keep changing. Yeah. It makes no sense. We thought we had heads and bodies and they were somehow separate. Right. You know, all these cockeyed ways of looking at things. So the head and the body are work together. Yeah. Our brains keep changing. Our bodies keep changing. Just right. Keep heading in a good direction. Keep your self-nourished body, mind, and spirit. And and I think mindfulness meditation, as you mentioned, is also terrific. Or just quiet. Nature. Yeah. Get in nature. Get outdoors. Get outdoors every day. Every yeah. day. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, I thank you for joining me today. It's just been a pleasure. I could sit and talk to you for another few hours and um anytime what beautiful and thank you for the work you do i'm excited to to read your book well all 15 of them (laughs) i'll start with the journey of recovery (laughs) work my way backwards some are better than others yeah and that and i'm going to buy myself i i collect hearts i find hearts everywhere every day i see them and wads of bubble gum on the street or clouds floating by and the one there was one that has hearts on the front of it so i said i like that one yeah i'm gonna get that one so (laughs) Uh, all right well everyone thank you for joining us today on the healing place podcast and until next good luck to all your people pardon me good luck to all your people Oh, thank you so much. Hey, I forgot to ask before I do the closeout. Um, so how do people get a hold of you? What's the best way? Uh, you can contact me through my website. That's probably the easiest. And then do you have any social media pages at all? Oh, I do. I'm on Facebook. So you can, I guess I have two pages. You can friend me. I'll respond on my personal page. And I guess you can become a fan or something like that. I'm a professional. I don't know how it works exactly, but I think. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And under your and name. And also. Hmm? Okay. Wonderful. Yeah. Under my name. Okay. Hmm. Very cool. All right. Well, everyone, thank you for joining us today on the Healing Place podcast. And remember, until next time, 
be gentle with yourself. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening today to the Healing Place podcast with your host and trauma warrior, Terry Welbrock. If you enjoyed this episode and want to learn more about Terry, her mission, and the Hope for Healing journey, visit Terry's website at www.terrywellbrock.com. Thank you for liking, commenting, sharing, and offering your reviews on our YouTube channel, audio outlets, and Facebook page. And as Terry reminds us, until next time, remember, be gentle with yourself. Thank you.